From the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location, this is It's All Good Newport Beach, where you'll hear one-of-a-kind interviews with extraordinary people, executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders, showcasing why it's all good. Hosted by Tom Dior. Today, we're uh, we're really honored and excited to be joined by Mayor Noah Blum. I don't know if you wanted me to say my name at that point. You Carry on. <laughs> Carry on, it, Noah. You, it felt good. It's your show. <laughs> oh, no. It's your show. I'm just talking in it, actually. <laughs> and uh, wh- where can we find you on the web besides the city of Newport Beach? Um, wow. Uh, there's, I'm sure, a huge <laughs> amount of websites dedicated just to me. Which one do you want to <laughs> use today? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you know, we, I, w- I would say our restaurant websites probably okay. have. Okay, lay it on. ArcARCRestaurant.com. Okay, perfect. No. And that'll put all sorts of links to me. Hopefully we weeded out most of the bad things by then, but you know. Yeah. They pop up quick. We better hurry. <laughs> we better hurry. <laughs> Noah, as we talked about just before we get on the show, is if you have a quote or a mantra or something that pops in your mind whenever things get either real good or real bad. So, yeah, well, neither of It's just my always. I don't know how <laughs> okay. appropriate it is for this, but dirty, sexy happiness. And it's okay. such our mantra. We actually stamp it on our bags and cookies. I have t-shirts and sweatshirts that just say it. And I think that it does stem into, you know, what's good. That when things, you know, are a little bit dirty, that I think that just means they're real, you know? And in this whole world, we got to keep it sexy because what's the point otherwise? And then that breeds us all to a lot of happiness. No, where'd you get that level of, uh, I'm going to say honesty? Because not a lot of people are going to touch on those things, which which really matter in life, but they're not going to say it. They'll cover it with a bunch of other things, but you went right to it. I think honesty is just being comfortable, and I'm a pretty comfortable person. So, you know, there's not a lot to prove out there. I think life's happy. Look where we are. It's nuts. <sighs> you know. I know. I, I, I'm in the hospitality business, so, uh, you know, I, I get to sit on patios and drink rosé most days, and... Um, I don't know that it gets better than that. Actually, I think I'm pretty sure that's heaven. So uh, I'm just living it out right now. How'd you get the contrast to know that it is, in effect, heaven? Um, I grew up here, so I thought this was the worst place in the world to possibly live. Because did I, you really? Yeah, you know, you're a you're a little teenage boy. That's uh, you know, when you're real young, you're just palling around. It was a different town back then, too. You know, it was a slow beach town. Um, you know, and there there were elements that were great, but it was, you know, 80s and 90s was a different place. You know, you had your six restaurants and, you know, your your little local pieces. And there was still open space. And, you know, neither good nor bad about how that means. I think we've had a beautiful evolution with the way that we've grown, you know, concerted and with style and grace. Um but as a kid, you don't always respect those things. And so when I was 17, I was getting out of high school. I was originally supposed to go out to New York um, and go to NYU out there. And instead, I decided to go to culinary school at the behest of my employer. And um, he sent me up there. And I was in San Francisco for two years up there. And, and then I thought, okay, I want to find a better place to live. And so I searched for like, 17 years. <laughs> That's I'd be a little shy of that. It was 15 years I was uh, essentially gone. Um, San Francisco, New York, uh, Europe, 
Boston, uh, Vermont, DC, Miami, Dallas, Vegas, LA, back to East Bay, um, Rockridge area. And then I decided, well, I scoured. There's no place better. This is the best place. What does that feel like to you? Obviously, you're happy with it to know that you really want what you have. You know, I think it, it frees you a lot. You get to make decisions based on things you want to do, not, you know, there's no climbing process. You know, I think that's why I got involved in the political side, um, because I hate politics. <laughs> okay, carry on. Carry on. Yeah. You know, I think they're ridiculous. You know, I, I don't think they were ever meant to be a career. I think they were, I often say, you know, <laughs> being on city council is a lot like, you know, getting a DUI and choosing to either pick up trash on the side of the road or serve in city council. And it's kind of the deal, right? It's, <laughs> it should be a chore. You're trying to get through it. No one goes and picks up trash on the side of the road and they're like, oh, you know what? Well, if I pick up enough trash, maybe I'll get to keep doing this. Maybe I'll get to do it for my whole life. And I'm like, that's what politics is. Who wants to do this for their whole life? That's madness. It's not supposed to be a job. I think, you know, the idea of America was this quagmire of all sorts of ideas that shifted and moved all the time. It wasn't supposed to be united, you know? I think we always fear a majority at any point. You know, they're going to just start making their rules and pushing them on you. And so for me, I think it was fun because I like the city a lot. I, I want it to be better and, you know, I want it to be reimagined from my youth because if we have to grow, doesn't mean we have to redevelop it, but it has to be reimagined. You know, things change. And if, if we don't, then they fall into, you know, disrepair. And, you know, I, I've seen it in lots of places that I've lived. And, you know, sometimes like the majesty of something that you think is perfect because it stays the same. Once you're there, this is how I felt about Vermont. I moved into, you know, a beautiful little, like, picturesque town at the base of the Green Mountains in Stratton, Manchester Village, and I opened a restaurant there, a taco place. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll talk, we can touch upon that later. Um, but you found that because it, it wasn't reimagining itself, it was stuck there. It was there. And it's great if you fit into it in kind of like a perfect way, but if you don't and you're looking to be part of it, oftentimes it gets harder. And so, you know, I think places like this are amazing because you can f constantly fit new people into it, bring new ideas in, but it doesn't change the characteristics. And, um, and so I think that's what I realized why I came back and why I love it so much. And, you know, and I got involved because I, I want to keep it that way go back to what you said a little bit a few minutes ago was fear. There's not a lot of fear in you. I noticed is a, how did you get to be to a point where fear is really not a factor in your decision-making? I think, um, my father was a photographer in Corona Del Mar and they had a photography studio here forever. And my job was, you know, as kids of, you know, small business owners, my sisters and I, we, we worked them and, um, there is no worse job that a 14 year old boy can have working in a back of a photography studio, you know, numbering negatives and, you know, putting mailer stickers on. And I mean, it's like, you know, especially if you, you know, you're a little hyperactive and you know, your mind's working, you're like, this is God awful. And 
So I told my dad I didn't want to do it anymore. And um, he said, you had to have a job. And he introduced me to a, a gentleman who's passed away, but his name was Hans Prager. He owned a restaurant in Fashion Island. It was there forever. It was a, you know, a cornerstone of our originals called the Ritz. And then he opened a few others, the Yankee Tavern, which is where Tavern House is now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was kind of an icon. It was a huge restaurant, you know, piano bar and, you know, Ritz Brothers and all these different rooms, a Escoffier and, you know, oil paintings. And the first day I went in there when I was 14, um, he asked me if I wanted an espresso and we sat and dipped cookies in espresso. And as a 14 year old, I'm like, this is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> yes. I'm treated like an adult. And I think I started working, uh, washing dishes, you know, then I got to start running food as well and then work in the kitchen and through all of it, you know, you have no idea what you're doing, but you're young and willing to try. And so it starts whittling away fear and you put yourself in a situation that you're uncomfortable in, but you realize you can do it and you realize if you do it well, you get to do other things. And then I think it kind of changed my perspective that if you work really hard and do something well, it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, your experience, people like you. And so it takes a huge amount of just fear away. And so being in kitchens and always being, you know, I was, I was the white boy in kitchens and, uh, you know, that, that put you in a different situation than, um, than a lot of, you know, kids my age that went through a more traditional system. And then, so I lived in San Francisco. I was young and I had a little studio apartment on Polk and Eddy, um, which is a mm -hmm. beautiful oh, exactly. area of the yeah. TL, mm -hmm. oh. especially in the nineties. It was great. Oh, <laughs> gorgeous. Golden era. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I would wander the streets and, you know, I'm a boy and I'm not that small. And so it was fine. <laughs> I was never really worried about it. And then when I moved to New York, um, I lived on Graham and Grand and, uh, that's Avenue Puerto Rico, right underneath the above ground JMZ. And so it's not necessarily known as it's getting a lot better now. I think, um, you know, Greenpoint has started to shift, but it's in the middle of the projects. And I didn't know, you know, I'm from Newport and then San Francisco. I don't know what projects are. I just thought they were similar brick buildings that everyone built. And uh, so I made friends with everyone there. And I think there's a point in your life, especially when you're moving around and, you know, almost like a hopeful ignorance that goes to it that then becomes, you know, just a ridiculous confidence, which, you know, is where I'm at now. So I went from ignorance to confidence, I guess. And I just missed fear along the way. Somewhere. But <laughs> I think I put myself in a lot of dangerous situations over and over again. You know, I, I, you know, I broken things and, yeah. you know, usually from doing stupid things and you get through it. And I think every experience just takes away one more layer of it. And, and I also think, you know, Fear is interesting because I think most people don't fear circumstances. They fear people. And it's almost like an unknown of people, you know, that they fear what they don't know and they don't know these people yet. And I think if you meet enough people, and especially being in hospitality, you meet everyone. And, you know, hospitality is interesting because your job is to be thrown into usually the worst situations. You know, it, once you're, you know, the chef or the owner, no one's ever like, hey, this person is so happy. We go talk to them. They're like, no, no, we'll, we'll handle this one. It's they're like, oh, my God, they hate us so much. This lady was yelling at us. They're pissed. You know, this guy's steak wasn't cooked properly. Can you believe it? And people are screaming. And so your job is to wander over and 
you know, relax. So. Which brings it to this question is the embracing of the unknown. Now I'm, I'm getting that vibe a lot about you. Okay. <laughs> is that there's a, the unknown is kind of like a bring it on to you. Yeah. I mean, every time I would move or travel back and forth, you know, I just do the road trip across the country and, um, it was, it was always my way to not take any major highways, you know, and just kind of take the side roads and meander through and ramble a little bit. And I think it goes back to you meet people. And when you meet those people, you know, you learn things, they tell you a cool story. You know, you realize that we're all generally just trying to be liked. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the unknown is, you know, is the only thing that people are afraid of and they kind of keep going back to that. And so just, you know, Gotta embrace a little bit more, relax yourself. And, you know, actions beget actions. And so if you're pretty chill, people tend to be pretty chill. And, you know, I think that at the end of the day, I don't think anyone goes out saying, you know, I'm seeking happiness or I'm trying to not be afraid. You know, what is it? The universe only hears what you say. They don't add the yes or the no in front of it. Say that again. The universe only hears what you say without adding a positive or negative to it. So if, if you say, I'm not looking for fear, you know, or I don't want to be afraid, all, all they hear is fear. And so I think, you know, it's not like you're going out saying, I just want to be happy. You know, and then it seems like then you just want to be crazy. Um, <laughs> but if you're going out and wanting to experience, I think it gives you enough of the roller coaster of life. And so that most of the time you're hanging out in the center and eventually the roller coaster just evens out and you're like, dude, everything's pretty good. Speaking of pretty good, this is actually an awesome show right now here. This is uh, the It's All Good Newport Beach podcast. We're talking today with... Mayor Noah Blom, or just Noah, as most people call me. And your website, the restaurant? ArcARCRestaurant.com. Oh, uh, okay. Noah, the uh, actions beget actions. Describe a little bit of that. Oh, God. I have to explain what I say. I'm going to start, <laughs> I'm gonna start dumbing it down a little bit for my own sake. I'm just kidding. Um, I think that, you know, the best example I can use for something like this, uh, well, I'll bring it something more current is politics. Um, and, you know, when I came on, I'm pretty much always the same person. Um, and so I got elected and I will, when we were running for the campaign, we decided we we have very little desire to run a traditional campaign. I don't think, even though it's proven to win and there is, you know, it's very real, those algorithms, I think it's, you know, we get to fit into something different that, you know, instead of taking out a bunch of, you know, flyers and things like that and like, you know, doing traditional stuff, we, you know, made baseball hats and hoodies and, uh, and little baby pins that just said NB for NB described absolutely nothing, which we were running for. Did an Hermé orange sign that was just an no, N- NB really? star okay. NB, yeah, that's right. yeah. but with nothing else on it. And people are like, you can't do that. What do you, this doesn't work. No one even knows what you're doing. I'm like, no one cares. You just want to make them ask a question first. And so I eventually get on in a, you know, a very different way. And I think, you know, they always told me what I wasn't allowed to talk about, you know, people who are trying to advise you and I talk about them anyway, cause I don't really care. 
And then when I got on there, I'd show up at meetings, you know, not like the formal council meeting, but we're in all sorts of committees, you know, flip-flops and board shorts. If it's a nice day out, you know, golf attire, if I got off the course, you know, like, you're like, this is be yourself. And so it's been funny because I started everyone with suits and I was like, now, now so many of the council members are comfortable. And, you know, we have a whole new breed of people up there that are just comfortable and did it not because they're like, I want to change the world. They're like, no, I really like my city. I'm interested in this. And, and so I think what ends up happening is since the actions beget actions with comfortability for me, that I'm always comfortable. So people tend to be comfortable. It's also true that if you're honest, people are honest with you. And then I think it just kind of changes how we act with everyone. And the restaurants are the same that most of my staff, I would say 90% of my staff has been there a hundred percent of the time. The other 10% are constantly rotating mm -hmm. through. And so, you know, most people will work for us and stay with us forever. Um, and that's great. And I think it's because we, we try to keep our actions to a very like happy and relaxed mentality. And then therefore our staff stays happy and relaxed. Um, and I think it's true in everything you do that, you know, if you show your personal style, it doesn't mean that someone else wants to emulate it. It just means mm -hmm. they'll bring in their own personal style and feel comfortable in it. And, you know, I, when I grew up in those areas, especially in New York, I thought it was really funny because I came into the restaurant one day. I was at Danielle and I was telling, you know, my cooks about, you know, I made friends in the neighborhood. And they're like, oh, you know, tell me about it. And I was like, yeah, you know, the guy who, you know, helps do the super work and the five-story walk-up, the condemned one on the bottom, but no one talks about it when we don't go in that room. But, you know, I and I lived there by myself. And um, his name was E, just the e? letter. E. Okay. Just a, sing a single letter, E. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, you should come over and hang out with the guys sometime. And so I was like, okay. And so I'm telling my buddy at work this. I'm like, yeah, I went to their, their clubhouse. And um, it's like this big brick building, warehouse. These guys were so cool. And like, you know, they, they had set up this little shooting range off in the back area. And you know, I'm from California. I'm thinking, great, you know, this is awesome. You know, they have movies playing. They have a little bar set up in there. And the cooks are like, it's a gang, Noah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's a gang, guys. They're really mellow. They're relaxed. I can walk down the streets of the neighborhood. No problems, yeah. you know? And they're like, I think you're in a gang. And I was like, I'm a white guy from California, man. I don't know. And I was just being nice to these people. And it, hilariously, I, you know, all up and down. I think you're just friendly and nice to people. You don't create issues. There's kind of keeps the system going. And, you know, everywhere I've ever lived, I feel like that's kind of been the way, you know, you, it's, it's a good world out there. You know, I think people just need to lighten up a little bit. Here's another, another word. We, since we were, we went dress the fear, curiosity. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that as curiosity? I'd say, you know, I'm definitely like a poke the bear kind of person. If, yeah. You know, if there's a button that says do not push. You're I'm, going. Hey, how much time can I really give it? Right. You're like, it's really specific of what I'm not supposed to do. You know, that's what I say about my wife too. You know, I'm like, oh, you're irritated. Do you really? Really? Let's yeah. see. Okay. Eventually it helps everyone sure. turn around. But, um, you know, I, I think when you're curious, it just means you're interested 
And, oh. you know, to be interested in things is like kind of the point of life. I'm pretty sure, you know, to be distant, you know, I, it's tough. Cause I, I mentioned I have a 19 year old son and he, you know, is part of that era where everything is about distraction. And I think it, distraction kills curiosity. You know, the moment we can just sit down and turn it on and it's immediate and there's no question anymore. You know, and I remember this, we were, we were young and we were de debating as kids, maybe, you know, 13, 14, what the most expensive hotel room was around here. And this is, I mean, a long time ago. And we're like, yeah, I wonder. You know, so we got a phone book and we're all searching through, <laughs> calling each hotel, trying to convince them to tell us how much the room rates were. And a lot of them just don't want to talk to you about it, you know? And they're like, well, sir, you sound like a bunch of children. And so then you're changing your voice and trying again. <laughs> the end result, we have no idea because we didn't get that far, but we were dying, laughing, having a great time trying to figure it out. And I think that sometimes, you know, it, the old adage that the journey is worth more than the reward at the end, I think that that's what curiosity gives you. And right now, you know, distraction just makes it either it's immediate or it's something so you don't have to pay attention anymore. And, you know, I, I think it's fun, you know, curiosity and imagination are just so close together. You know, I think it's so hard to have one without the other. You can you know, to want to imagine something, you at least had to be curious about it from the beginning. And it's just kind of the manifestation of your curiosity. No, as, as a mayor, that's just not common. Okay? It's not. You, you can acknowledge that. How do you go back to what you said originally is reimagine the town based on that level of curiosity, based on um, that journey, and yet being curious about people and, and, and understanding and taking them as they are. So I'll touch on the first part real quick, reimagining things. Um, you know, it's, and I, I think it's taken me a, a time to get to that idea. You know, it's not like I got elected and was like, oh, reimagine Newport. I, you know, you go in first, I think, with a frustration. And I think that's the only reason that pushed me into politics, right? I was elected in November of 2020. So, you know, it was a frustrating time, especially for, for the restaurant industry. And, um, you know, and I think it's interesting because, and I will make it back to this. Um, you know, the restaurant industry is, it's a bunch of people that are all very different and it's a lot of them and you spend a lot of time together. Um, and we all really like each other for the most part. So it kind of becomes your giant family and you care about those people a lot. And there's all different types, you know, depends on really your role or what position you're in. But, you know, I started as a chef and so it's really, I, I think I'm very connected to my kitchens and, you know, and the people that have worked there. And most of them have been with me forever. You know, my very first employee at our oyster bar in Costa Mesa, it was 12 years ago, is essentially, you know, my head cook, chef, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, and then my number two employee there is, you know, his right hand. And, you know, our first bartender is our general manager, our director of operations. And so, like, I think that, COVID was interesting because they told us to stop and, you know, there's no savings in the restaurant business for most of these people. And like, and a lot of them, then they don't, 
work in the regular system. You know, they're trying to figure it out in ways that are really hard for us to imagine. And so, you know, at first you're like, dude, no. And, and so, and I then, you know, Costa Mesa restaurants and Newport restaurants, and I saw the difference of local municipality and how each one was treated and how the cities themselves reacted almost like in a perfect line. I thought it was interesting. And I was like, wow, you know, Newport, who's taking a very different stance, um, was doing great. And I was able to move all those people down to this one. And, you know, and first, you know, we were doing to-go food and we had a lot of great benefactors and wonderful people that, you know, a friend of mine named Gary Jabara has um, a large company at the time. He had like 400 employees and wanted to send them all food. And so that helped keep most of my staff running and things like that. And so, you know, it it kind of shifted the focus. And so when I came on, we'd kind of already gotten through it. Newport was fine. So a lot of the reasons for why I started weren't the same reasons then. So then, you know, I was like a freshman in school. I started here and had no idea. And I'm like, well, okay, what sucks? You know, it sucks how long it takes to build things or to do this for, you know, us building a restaurant. We're doing a new one on Balboa Island. And it took almost three years to get through the process. So I'm like, I'm going to change that. Okay, I've seen a problem and I'm going to change it. And I go to them and I'm like, okay, how can we make this faster and do this? And maybe we could pay more to get it extra. And they're like, you can't do any of that. I was like, what? They're like, it's basically illegal what you just asked. No, I was like, sweet. <laughs> no, that's the button. Huh? I yeah. was like, oh, okay. Well, no, it's interesting. So then you reimagine your own goals. And in reimagining my own goals, it translated to the city because I started looking at like, okay, what, what can you do? And I think sometimes, you know, this, this idea of always fighting the system, it doesn't work. I think you can inspire the system and then it starts changing for the benefit of everybody rather than a conflict. You, you know, you create something better. You, you strive for an outcome. And um, so we did realize we could do really cool stuff. And it started with, you know, I think everybody is addressing homelessness in their own way. And so, you know, I look at some of our hot spots and... How do we reimagine those hotspots? You know, how do we make them more popular so that everyone is enjoying them and it doesn't just become, you know, really capitalized on by a few that want to take advantage of a situation and more people get to be there and maybe it's not necessarily the place they want to be. And so it was the pier uh, was the first one. So we're going to be reimagining the whole pier. I've found I can tear down a pier. Or I can rebuild it. You know, we can make it more like classic style. It's how you like build a Pike Place market with kind of what you we already had there with the Dory fleet, some buildings we didn't need, you know, build some cool things. And I think like infrastructure begets this idea that, you know, if you build something cool, private enterprise starts building cool things around it and you create like a little district. And so that kind of started the idea. And at the same time we were doing our Balboa Island project, um, and so this goes back to when I was young here, that Balboa Island, Marine, and... You don't look too old. <laughs> I, have a, I have a really good dermatologist. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Vampire facials on the regular. Thank you. I don't know if that one's that trademarked. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Well, no, it's a, it's there's no editing here. It's, okay. all, it's all real. No, they're good. Yeah, it feels good. Um, 
quick turnaround time too. No more than a couple of days down. You gotta show up. But those districts at Colonel Mar and Balboa Island were fun. Like as kids, you know, we were down here. You know, there was like a a Balboa Bay company. We all used to buy our clothes at. You know, you would pal around and you know barefoot and get candy and do whatever. And it just it felt like a town. And the shops that came and went were at least you know cute or owned or. And then things started happening, you know, property values start going up, you know, the wealth wave always adjusts, you know, what businesses do better and, you know, and that's just how economy goes and that's great. But I think sometimes it leaves places behind. Um, And, you know, the whole country is experiencing the death of Main Street. And I think it's because it's the reinvestment of Main Street that we lose. This kind of goes back to that idea that, you know, you have to make something reimagined and new. So, you know, our deal is it's not going to pay off anytime soon. Hopefully my son gets his act together. It'll work <laughs> out for him. Um, but we got a building, 224 Marine, right next to Starbucks. And, um, and the building is in disrepair. And so we have to, you know, we're going to take it down. We're going to scrape it. Okay. So to scrape the dirt on a piece of property on Marine Avenue, clearly is a is ripe to piss people off um it's not like a historical building or looking good but still it looks like an old little house and so our thought is well you know what we don't want is the same thing that's here you know you want to like spurn the idea and so um i guess it would be spur the idea spurn okay i'll come back so (laughs) in scraping it we decided we would build a little cottage in the back that looks like a little house all okay. the way back. It's only 1,200 square feet. Um, a little two-story place that just has kitchens and bathrooms in it. And then we would build a deck that comes out to make it like a little house with a garden in the front and a little porch on top and rail it the same way. So it feels almost older and more historic than it is. And then that district starts getting reimagined because people can see what is possible. And that's... So many people need a jumping off point before they're willing to get in. You know, no one's the first person in the pool. That's why someone's always pushed. Mm. And then once that person gets pushed, everyone jumps Mm. in the pool. And I think the idea is that if we don't just want lotion shops and, you know, uh, realtors down the street, (laughs) then we have to pay for it. And, you know, we forget that a lot, you know? And so (sighs) complaining just doesn't really work. You know, so you got to do it. So, and I just, you know, I guess I bitch sometimes. So I, <laughs> I might as well follow through with what I bitch about. So you're definitely doing that. <laughs> this is the, it's all good. Remember, it's all good podcast, Newport Beach. Or it's all good Newport Beach podcast. We're talking today with Mayor Noah Blom. Noah. Yes. And your website oh, is uh, arcarcrestaurant.com. And I'm going to touch on this and I'm going to ask no, uh, maybe it's a big question. Maybe it's not. Is um, what your that reimagining? There almost is no end to that. Like no end. You you mentioned your son, mm-hmm. so that's generational. So it can go a hundred, two hundred years from now. That reimagining it never ends if you have that the curiosity, and then that one word there: a lack of fear. Not lack of, but less of. Okay. So that'll keep the... What's your thought on that? Re, it, it, there is no end to that reimagining. It's just like an infinite. You're right. And I mean, so I think the the job 
you know, what I look at my job as mayor as is that, you know, it's, it's to kind of have your own vision of the future and try to set up the pieces that line it up in that way. And everyone will put their own little pieces you go, but you know, it's, I started talking a lot about the areas of Newport being villages and, you know, I believe in that. And I think, um, you know, we are, we're a city of villages and, you know, part of my issue with New York was that it's the same. It's a city of villages. Um, you know, if, depending on where you are, you don't really leave. You know, if you're in Brooklyn, it's hard for you to want to go anywhere else. And, you know, Upper East, I don't think they've ever been out of the Upper East Side. I think they're very confused <laughs> that there's a whole Manhattan out there. Um, and so, you know, it, it's this piece where I like imagining us that way because, you know, you can live anywhere in the city and get anything you're looking for, you know, and, and people don't always like it when they complain about, you know, problems in one specific district or this, that, or the other. I'm like, you should move to another place. And they're like, oh. I'm like, what? I'm not telling you to leave Newport. I'm like, sell your house here and get a house there. You solve your problem. Oh, you know, or weigh your own options, right? Come on. So then I think, you know, Newport is amazing because um, it is geographically limited. And that's not always true of other cities. You know, we're almost fully developed. That there isn't empty space here. You know, the joke is the empty space in Newport is former dumps. That's all we actually have is empty That's space. Right, yeah. So we have a little piece of property that's still Newport Beach up off of 19th Street, which doesn't even touch Newport Beach. Okay? And I, I had to learn about it because I asked the question and I saw the map. I'm like, come on. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, no, we have that little subdivision up there. I'm like, why? And the first like 10 people couldn't tell me. And I'm like, how long have you been on? And you don't, you never asked the question. And so I found out it was the first dump of Newport and we owned it. And so because we owned the dump once, you know, methane vented and all of mm -hmm. that, we built all these places on it. And then I was like, well, okay. Yeah. So big Canyon where I live was the second dump in Newport. <laughs> so the really old people in Newport still refer to it as the ditch. And I was like, Sweet. <laughs> I'm there. I'm yeah. like, best country club and golf course around, <laughs> but mind you, got it. Yeah. Um, and then Newport Coast was our second dump. And so, you know, we know how to build our dumps, by the way. Yes. Some of the finest in, in Southern California. I'll see. Um, and so that's the property that's left. There's one last piece up the 73, which will probably be a golf course too. But I think then since you're geographically limited in all ways, you know, what do you look at? And you can't change the villages, you know? So you can change main streets. You can change part of our old commercial pieces, like the airport district, the light commercial of West Newport, Newport Center, you know, Cannery, where we put, you know, ARC, because um, I love Cannery Village, and I reimagine it kind of like the funk zone in Santa totally, Barbara, yeah. or like, you know, an area where you can keep the warehouse feeling-ish, but you can intermix it and get cool things going and you, but you got to abolish some of these old rules of, you know, parking and how we get around and the mobility of things. And I think that adjusts kind of our vision for the future. And so what does Newport center become? And then I think when you can limit it to those and realize the rest are neighborhoods, what do they get to be, you know, and how do you describe them? And I think that starts the imagination process. And so, you know, for me, like uptown, or the airport district over there is really, I mean, it's like our university center. It's next to one of a huge college. 
you know, that's only been growing and growing. It's a great place for students. It's where we can put our, you know, bars and nightclubs that will eventually become as the city gets bigger. It doesn't disrupt. It actually has its own little piece. Then you look at Fashion Island and what that is going to be. And, you know, you see office buildings everywhere that are probably going to last for a certain amount of time, but the world's changing, especially low office. And you think, well, you know, things like what they do with the Americana up in Glendale and things like that, where you have mixed use, you know, horizontal integrated, commercial on the bottom, fun things that feel like, and it feels that way now. I'd say you walk through Fashion Island, 10% of the people are actually shopping. Most of us are just wandering around with a cup of coffee. It's like our park. <laughs> it is. There's an obelisk, for God's sakes. I don't know how often you have obelisks, but there's like, you know, I'm like, wow, this is our park. And so as we build civic centers and try to add other pieces that, you know, the city is getting behind library lecture halls and pieces like that, you know, I think it's important to realize, well, that's the growth we want to see. You know, if we're going to put high buildings and hotels, put them in that little downtown area bring it together and then get people to live there and work there all as one. And I think, you know, those are not traditional ways to, to think about, you know, right now it's like too much traffic or, you know, this is what's happening or blah, blah, blah. And I think you want to bring it back and say, who cares? It's going to happen. So help govern it into the way it should happen rather than help reimagine it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it, it's a good jumping off place. It gets everyone in the pool. And whether they agree or not, you know, we don't all swim the same stroke, and that's okay. On that, uh, getting everyone into the pool and, and launching again, definitely we want to have you back real soon on the show. What would you uh, What would you like to add to your show today that uh, we may not have talked about? No, I just pretty much ramble over here, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> ramble on. <laughs> ramble on. Uh, Isn't I mean, that a Led Zeppelin tune? I think it is. Yeah. yeah uh -huh. Ramble on. A, I think that's a good reason why I am who I am. I did some <laughs> rambling out in the world, but uh, no, you know, I, I enjoy this. I, like I said, I don't have a problem talking. So um, unless it's in council meetings, then I like them lickety split. You know, no one wants to sit up there for that long. Um, no, I had a I had a great time with this. This is awesome. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Again, we are talking today with Noah. Just Noah. Just Noah. No, not mayor. Yeah. Well, you no, are mayor. I, I am. I am mayor. Noah. Okay. And it's hard. I was chef for a long time too. And actually most of my staff still could just calls me chef. I love that term. Chef. And, uh, it's just it's easy. I, I think I respond better to that than I do to mayor. The other one makes me blush. Then, then, then we got it. You've been listening to it's all good. Newport beach podcast. What else can we say with this? This is a terrific show. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. No, I want to have you back real soon. That's <laughs> right. for sure. Maybe like in the next few months even. Okay. And tell about the restaurant here in Bubble Island. You've got yeah. a new one? Uh, yeah, it'll, it, we'll be building it. You'll okay. see it. It'll take some time. They always do. But we should, uh, the, the building should be coming down in the next little bit. And um, let's hope for the next two months, take it down. And then you'll see a, the smallest building constructed on the island since 1950 built. Should definitely pencils out, by the way. Let me just assure everybody. Uh, yeah, no more than a 15-year ROI. And uh, it should uh, it should be great. It'll be fun. You know, we haven't named it yet because we're not that clever. So we'll come up with it eventually. It'll be an arc of some kind. No, a pleasure. Thank you. Real honor to have you here as well. Pleasure's mine. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Cheers. You've been listening to, again, the It's All Good Newport Beach podcast. Our chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Tune in next time. 
Thank you very much for listening.